The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse number 60. The Bible says that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Notice that all the people of the earth, that's what the Lord wants. He wants everybody on earth to know that He is the Lord. And then we look at uh, Isaiah chapter 49, and the last verse there, the last part of the last verse in the chapter 49 of Isaiah, it says, And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am the Savior, uh, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Again, We see the common theme, all flesh, to know this. And so God, if you just see from those few scriptures, and really the totality of scripture, lets us know that he wants us to know him. He doesn't just want us to know about him. He doesn't just want us to kind of understand that he's there, kind of on the periphery of our life, or even that he created the world or any of that. Most of us, if we sat down and discussed it, we would come to that agreement. Okay, yeah, God created the world. And and then you might say, so what? You know, what does that really mean with me living in the world right now? But here's the point. God wants you to know him. Not know about him, but know him. And I want to talk to you about that uh, tonight. Let's pray for a moment, and then we'll look into God's word. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for giving us another day of life and breath. Lord, I thank you for the health uh, that we have. God, I thank you for all the good things that you give us in life. Lord, the best thing that you give us is that desire that you have to know us and for us to know you. So, Lord, I pray that each one in this uh, room this evening, Lord, will think about that. Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts and, Lord, call us even into a closer relationship with you where we can understand how much you want us to know you. Lord, I thank you for each of the guys that have been with us here these last uh, eight or nine weeks, Lord, of of the season this summer. Lord, I pray that you'd work in their hearts, their lives, and And just guide them, Lord, every step that they take. And Father, we pray for our church family and thank you for them and for their support, Lord, for this basketball league. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage and strengthen us to continue following closer to you each day. We love you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight I'm going to talk to two groups of people. And and basically all of us, at one time or another, we fall into these two groups here in this room. There are two groups of people, and it all comes down to that idea of remembering God. You see, there is a group of people in this room tonight who forget God because they really don't know Him. You know, it's easy to forget somebody that you don't know. I mean, I'll give you an example. If I were to say this name to you, okay, my guess is, I'm predicting, that none of you will really be able to, to, you will not have remembered this person's name. Okay, you won't know him. You won't remember him. His name is this, Kenneth Kaunda. Does anybody know who that is? Have you ever heard that name before? Okay. Most of you, none of you are raising your hand right now. And so here's the point. You don't know him. He's easy to forget. You've never heard of him. He means nothing to you. You have no relationship with him. And, and frankly, don't even know about him at all. Kenneth Kaunda was the freedom fighter and the first president of Zambia, where my wife and I lived for 10 years. And he is in Zambia. If I mention that name, everybody knows who he is. He's 94 years old. He's still alive. And he's very well respected. No one could forget him. When his birthday comes, the whole, the whole nation celebrates. 
And they don't even, you don't even have to say his whole name. If you say in Zambia, KK, that's who, that's who they talk about. If they write about him in the newspaper, they just throw those two letters up, and everybody remembers who he is because they know him. He's important to them. He means something to them, and they can't forget him ever. You know, and these are, I'm talking about little kids in school, first grade, second grade. They know who that, who that man is, even though he wasn't a president while they were alive or any of that, but it's just something that's been ingrained in their mind, just like here in America, if we talk about George Washington, everybody knows who that is. He, he lived hundreds of years ago. We, we never actually, you know, met him or any of that. None of us have, have intersected with his life at all, except we know him and we pretty much remember him. If I find somebody in America, particularly somebody who's been here their whole life, and you bring up George Washington and they have no idea who you're talking about, I mean, something's wrong, obviously. That, that'd be an indication that, hey, they're losing it or something's going if they don't know who he is. But I'm talking about tonight in, in this room, some, some people forget God. They don't remember him because, frankly, they don't know him. It's easy to forget somebody that you don't know. And then there are people in this room, the other group, are those who know the Lord, but tend to take him for granted and thereby forget him as well. There are others of you in this room, you know who the Lord is. You've been saved, maybe you've even been in church, but you still forget him a lot. We still, for, we still go through days and, and we kind of have to be reminded to, oh yeah, let me think about God for a couple of minutes. Or, you know, each week maybe, maybe it's your grandma or your mother or your wife or, or you know, somebody is calling you to come to church and, and that's when you kind of stop, all right, I'll stop for a moment and I'll remember the Lord. But a lot, a lot of people who know the Lord take him for granted and forget him very easily. I, look, I want you to look tonight in Exodus chapter 13 and see how important God says that it is for you and I to remember him. That's what he wants. Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 3. I'll read a few. We'll kind of, you know, skip over a couple of verses and and get the idea of what this chapter is telling us. In verse number 3, it says, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which he came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. Uh, There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Some of you know this story. Egypt... For, I'm sorry, Israel was in Egypt for more than 400 years as slaves. And I mean, they were just treated horribly, terribly, uh, as slavery is even to this day in the world. It is a terrible, terrible uh, blight uh, on humanity. And it was for the people of Israel as well. They were in bondage. They, were, they had to work hard. They were treated as less than people. Uh, they were just, uh, again, taken for granted used as basically as animals and, and to accomplish work. We're told in Scripture that what the Israelites did, if you've ever you know, seen pictures uh, uh, in Egypt of some of those great pyramids and treasure cities, the Bible says that they built those treasure cities, some of them, for the Pharaoh at that time. And so they were used hard labor, no machinery, and they were carrying these huge blocks and sliding them up and, and building those great pyramids that many of them still stand today. And so we understand that they were just, they were in a horrible, horrible situation. But again, if you know the story, God, through unmistakable power and by miraculous uh, uh, events, he delivered them from Egypt. He he was able, he, he sent 10 plagues upon the nation of Egypt and he delivered them. In that time in history, 
Egypt was the strongest nation on the face of the earth. And so here is God. Go, just, they, they, didn't, they didn't know God. They didn't think about God. They didn't think God had anything to do with what happened in their life, the Egyptians. But God showed them unmistakably, I'm here, and I want you to know who I am. And he did that. And while he did that, he also was showing the people of Israel who he was and the fact that he delivered them from that horrible bondage and slavery that they'd been in for hundreds of years. Well, they came out, and Moses was the one that God used to lead them out. And and God told Moses and said, I want you to tell the people to remember this day. Don't forget it. Don't don't take it for granted. Don't, don't, you know, uh, in a hundred years or so, don't forget that you were slaves and that I took you out. I I want you to remember this day. And he even gave them something to help them remember. He said, on this day, every year when this day comes up, don't eat, eat bread that has no leaven in it and all of that. He said, that's cause you to remember what, what happened uh, that day when you were delivered. And even today, uh, the Jews that are all around us, they celebrate Passover in connection with this right here. Okay, when they were able to come out from, the, from bondage in Egypt. And so that's from verse number three. Then in verse nine, we see that God repeats it again. It says, and it shall be, a, be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, for a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord hath brought thee out of Egypt. He just keeps repeating it. He doesn't want them to forget it. In verse number 14, we continue on in the story. The Bible says this, And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come. Saying, what is this? So they were supposed to put different memorials, as we mentioned a moment ago. They were supposed to eat certain kinds of food, okay, that unleavened bread. And so as they were doing that, uh, God knew that your children, you know, 30 years, 40 years, 100 years, 200 years from now, the children are going to say, Mom, Dad, why do we do this? What, what is this all about? Why do we eat this bread? Why, what is this holiday about? What's the purpose behind all of this? And, and God said, when they do that, use it as an opportunity to make them remember me and remember what I did for you in bringing you out from the nation of e- Egypt. He says in verse uh, number 15, And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. And uh, it says, But all the firstborn of my children I will redeem. Here's the point that I'm trying to get to. God wanted them to remember that. Okay, if you don't know the story, I'd encourage you to read it. But God, just in an amazing way, took these slaves who had no power, had no right, had no, they didn't even have any determination within themselves to be free. In fact, there were a few times when, you know, God sent Moses and said, I want you to let, you know, lead my people out of, out of Egypt and out of being a slave. And they, they didn't even want it. There were times when Moses would come and speak what God said. And Pharaoh, because he would get upset and say, oh, you guys must have a lot of time on your hands if you're trying to get free from here. I'm going to make your work harder. I'm going to make it more difficult. And, and the regular people, the, the, the Israelites who were slaves, they, were, they would talk among themselves and even complain to Moses and say, stop, Just you're making it harder on us. We don't, we don't want to be free. We want to remain slaves. But God said, no, I'm going to do a great thing in your life, something that you don't even, you're not even thinking about right now. And so God went, and through some amazing plagues, he, he showed his power and his greatness above every other god in this world, particularly in Egypt. Egyptians, even to this day, but especially in that day, they worshipped the sun god, 
that one of the plagues that God brought is he made the sun to become dark for some days. You know, we saw the eclipse, what, last week, and here it didn't look like much, I guess. But that's what God did. He said, all right, the sun's not going to shine. You worship that, that sun, you're not even going to see it for the next few days. The Bible says it was so dark that it was a kind of darkness that they could feel more than just even see it. It was just a, a thick darkness. And so God did that. They also, the Egyptians, worshipped the Nile River. They thought that's where all life came from. And obviously in a desert, a river of water is very important. And so they, they elevated that river even to a place where they would worship and, and looked at it as a god. And so God himself turned the river into blood and said, you worship this thing. Look at it. What can you do? What life can it give you? And, and he was just trying to get their attention over and over and over again uh, to show that he was the Lord. And he was trying not only to do that for the Egyptians who didn't know him, but he's also trying to do that for the, uh, for the Israelites who had known him and forgotten about him. And as we said at the beginning here, all of us are in one of those two categories. Maybe you don't know the Lord, and so you forget him. And so God might try to do things in your life good or otherwise, that are just trying to get your attention and say, hey, remember me. I'm over here. I'm here in your life. You're not all by yourself. You're not all alone. And then some of us, we may know God and we may understand that he's with us, but God also is trying to keep our attention and cause us to remember him and who he is. Look at verse 16 in Exodus 13. It says, and it shall be, a to- it shall be for a token upon thine hand and for frontlets between thine eyes, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. So again, over and over and over again, God is just saying, I want you to wear these different kind of uh, uh, pieces of clothing. I want you to tell your children. I want you to remember that when you came out of Egypt, you didn't come out in your own power. You didn't come out because you were stronger than the people of Egypt because you weren't. They came out of Egypt and they didn't have a sword at all. I mean, they had no weapons There was no way that they could have ever fought against that military might that was Egypt in those days. They could not, but God fought for them. And he said, I want you to remember that. I don't want you to forget it. And now look, you and I, as we sit here today, we have to understand that though we have not been in slavery recently for 400 years, and though we may look at our life as actually being fairly comfortable lately, we have to understand that we have been spiritually uh, in slavery our entire lives to sin. And that's what the, the picture of being in Egypt is. Many of us are in bondage and we don't even notice it. We don't even realize it. When I talk about these children of Israel, they had been in bondage for 400 years. I mean, there were people who lived and died and, and never got free from being a slave. There were generations and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and people who as far back as they looked on their family tree could not even remember what it was like to be free people. And so all their entire lives, they lived that way, but God delivered them. And so look, God still has that same power in our lives today. Think about how many things that we put, a, uh, put ahead of him in our own lives. You see, the, the, the nation of Egypt put many things in front of God. They didn't even know him. They had the sun. They had the rivers. They had different animals that they worshipped, all kinds of things. They put so many things in front of God. And, they, and, and I dare say that many of us do the same thing. You may say, I'm not a heathen. I don't worship the sun. I don't worship that. But look, a lot of us 
put money in front of God. We put work in front of God. We put pleasure in front of God. We put our friends in front of God. I mean, we, I'll just ask you, how, how long down the list is it before you remember or even think about God? I mean, when does he come in? Like, our, our, who's, who's ahead of him? What's ahead of him? And for so many of us, there are many things on top of that list. And God comes down there a distant, I don't know, 10th or 20th or last or whatever it is. We hardly think about him. God says, remember me. Remember me. Well, God delivered them, as we said. And by the way, God's done some great things in your life too. And he wants you to remember what he's done for you. Do you know why he does any good in our lives at all? I mean, do you know why you have a breath today? Do you know why you have a life today? Do you know why if you, have, if you came from a good family, and I understand not all of us have per, perhaps, but if you have a good family, if you have you know, parents or relatives or somebody that cares about you in your life, you know where that comes from? That's God that gives that to you. Do you know if, if you have a job and you have the strength today to, to work a job and make any kind of money? That comes from God. Now, you may not recognize that, and you may not think about that or remember that, but, but that's the fact. It comes from Him. And even everything that the Egyptians had, and they didn't know God, they didn't think about God, but all that they had was because God allowed them to have it. You see, even if they worship the sun, God is still the God of the whole world. He created the sun, the Bible tells us. Even though they worship the river, it's God who made that river, the Nile River, to run in that place. The Bible says that God sends rain down on the just, those who trust him, and the unjust, those who don't trust him. You see, God is good to all people. And he's good to you and me, whether we think about him or not. You know, most of us don't have to think about taking a breath or our heart beating. It just happens automatically, but it happens because God keeps it so. And so we have to understand that, look, whether you've spent any time at all thinking about him, every good thing that you have in your life, it came from him. And he didn't give it to you because you deserved it, not at all. He didn't give it to you because you'd done something good and earned it, not even close. He does it because of his grace and because he's wonderful and because he's good. That's why he does that. So any good thing, please, I mean, take a moment here just to think about what has God done in my life? I mean, wherever you are, and I'm sure there are people who have got some hard, you know, stories and hard situations that they're facing. I don't discount that at all. But I mean, just the fact that you've been able to make it through to this point is God's grace. He's been with you, even if you didn't know it was him who was with you. So let's think about this for a second. With all that God has done for you, and me, in our lives, how much do we really remember him? I mean, do, do you? How often? I mean, do you take a few moments before you go to sleep and say, you know, say a little prayer, and I don't even make fun of that. I mean, do you even take that time? Do you take, do you take five minutes a day where you stop and you remember what the Lord's done for you? Do we, how many minutes today before we got here, did we even start thinking about God? And look, I commend you. You're here tonight. You're, you're at least giving that opportunity. You could have done something else. You could have, you know, come later or whatever. I mean, you, there are many things you could have done to avoid this time. And so I at least commend you that you say, look, I'm, I'm willing to sit and, and to, to think for a few moments about God. But God wants you to remember him every day. That's something he wants. You say, why does God care Look, look, I don't know if I can even explain why he cares. I just know that in the Bible, it says he wants us to remember him. 
He, he over and over again, which, which is amazing to me because he's the God of the universe. He could take my breath away this moment, but yet he wants, he desires, and he keeps calling me, remember me, don't forget me, don't forget me, don't forget me. You know, usually we think of somebody who keeps doing that as, you know, hey, they're, they're kind of desperate or they're sort of hard on their luck and they really need me, but that's not God at all. God doesn't need you or me at all, but he wants a relationship with us. He wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. And so he keeps saying, remember me, don't forget, remember me, don't forget me. And so, look, how many of us really take any time at all to think about him? How many minutes a day do we really give to remembering God? Now, some of you may say, okay, I admit it. I take him and his blessings in my life for granted. And look, I think all of us do that at some times. You know, all of us doesn't matter where we are, from, from right here all the way everywhere else in this room. We forget him, and we take for granted some of the good things he does for us. And uh, we all do that. But you know what? Maybe you're thinking, but those Israelites, if I had been in slavery for 400 years, if I had been in such a condition and God delivered me in such a miraculous way like he did for the people of Israel, I would never forget God if he did something like that for me. Well, I want you to look at Exodus chapter 14. And while I can't claim that you and I would do exactly the same thing, I suspect we would be a lot like the Israelites were in Exodus 14. Because we really are. Exodus 14 is just, obviously, I knew that you didn't expect math to be here tonight, but that's only one chapter ahead. All right? It's just a few, really, days. It's not a whole lot of time passing between 13 and 14. And so the children of Israel have been freed. They're leaving uh, the place of Egypt. They're going out into the wilderness where God is leading them. And, and, you know, as they go, some of you may remember the story, they end up coming upon the Red Sea, okay? And this was not just a little lake or even a river. This was basically like, you know, it's a portion of the ocean, if you were to look on the map. And it, it, it was not crossable, especially not by, you know, women and children that were all there and, and their herds and all the things that they left Egypt with. And so here they come up upon the Red Sea. And now, at first glance, that's not a problem. They have all the time in the world. They, don't, they have nowhere to go, okay? They're homeless. They're just kind of living with what they, they took. But again, they, God has blessed them. They've got their animals. They've got their tent. They, they brought food out with them. And so they may not be in such a hurry. So they probably set their first night up there camping at the bank of the Red Sea. And many of them must think, wow, this is beautiful. I mean, we've been in Egypt our whole time. All we, every waking moment from sunup to sundown, all we were doing is working, and now here we actually get to kind of sit by the beach here for a little bit. You know, we get to look at the Red Sea and all that, and so they must be enjoying that for a moment. But, but not too long after that, the Bible tells us that Pharaoh changes his, his mind. The Bible says that he hardens his heart, and he decides, I'm not letting him go that quickly. Even all the things that God had done and showed himself to Pharaoh, Pharaoh still said, no, I, I'm not letting him go. And so he chased after them. Look at verse number 8. The second part, it says this, the children of Israel went out with a high hand. In other words, they're, they're, wow, this is awesome. They're praising God. They're thanking God. They're just, they're, they're so excited to be free, as you can imagine. They are just, they're, they, they're remembering the days of the last few weeks and what God did to allow them to leave the most powerful nation on the earth uh, without even picking up a weapon. God did all the fighting for them. And so they are praising God as they're walking out. And you can just imagine the excitement 
with families and friends and neighbors. You know, everybody is just going out free for the first time in generations. And so here they are, but then in verse number 9 it says, But the Egyptians pursued after them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamping by the sea. And then it tells us a couple of spots where they were, actual places. And so here comes Pharaoh, and he's coming with chariots and horses. These are people walking out. You know, you, you can imagine what they must look like. Okay, they're walking with their families. Their clothes are probably, you know, worn out. They've been slaves for, for all of their life. And so they're just kind of, they're leaving. But, but here comes now an army, soldiers, chariots, horses. And they come up uh, chasing them down once again. Verse number 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. I don't know if we can blame them. You know, once they noticed that Pharaoh and his army was coming, they were very afraid, is what it says. They were sore afraid. Now, you and I, as we think about it, and and I might be able to say, hey, didn't they just see what God had done for them? I mean, he had done miracles. He had gotten them out. He had defeated uh, uh, Egypt. Why were they worried now? But that really doesn't matter a, a whole lot right now. Here's the fact. They were worried. They were afraid. And so look what they said. The children of Israel cried out, unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, look at this, look how quickly they forgot God. This is what I want want to point out to you. All right, They just saw God do an amazing thing. Something that you and I have never seen God do. I've never seen God bring those kinds of plagues in such a powerful demonstration of who he is, but they did. But then as they're there and, and they become afraid, they ask this question to Moses and they say, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? I mean, that is, that's a real question right there. They're saying, hey, there weren't enough, you couldn't have just let us die in Egypt? I mean, we couldn't, there weren't enough graves there. You just decided to bring all our families out here so we could die right here in the wilderness. And he said, wherewith hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Look at that. A moment ago, they were with high hands, it says, coming out of Egypt. They were thankful that they'd been set free. They were praising God. And in just that amount of time, they forgot everything didn't remember God. They turned back to him, and they're basically questioning Moses and ultimately questioning God. God, why'd you even take us out of Egypt? What, you just wanted us to die out here? What, what were you doing? What are you doing? And so, is it, it, look what they said, verse 12. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. They forgot everything. They said, we wish you would have never set us free. We wish you would have never brought us out of Egypt. You should have left us there. Didn't we even say that? You know, we, we were happy there. Were they really happy? But we were happy there. We were, we were a slave. We wanted to be there. We, why'd you take us out? And that's how quickly they forgot God. Verse number 13, Moses answered the people these words from the Lord. He said, fear ye not, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. In other words, be quiet. And uh, the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. Here's the point. And we're going to look at a couple of these words here in a moment as we apply it to ourselves. He said, 
stand still. Stop talking. Stop trying to figure this all out by yourself. I know you're afraid, and the natural thing to do is to run away when you're afraid, but I'm saying stand, just stand where you are. Stand still, and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. So sometimes we have to be called away, and, and this is kind of what's happening even tonight, and what we hope is a moment for you to stand still for just a second. You know, this, life can, this world can be very busy, running from job to friends to whatever, to work, family, all the different things we've got to do. And nowadays, you know, with, on our phone, we can access everything and anything at a moment's notice, and it's like we never have a moment just to stand still. But today, tonight, I hope that you'll take just these few minutes that we have left here and stand still for a minute. Because you may, look, I don't know if you're afraid like they were of whatever's going on in your life. I don't know if you're uh, like they did, you're forgetting God and you're just, this whole world is overwhelming you and God is the, you know, he kind of falls to the wayside because everything else is demanding and calling for your attention. And those things are so hard to shut off, but God, often the Bible says he speaks with a still small voice. He's somebody that you've got to purposely listen to. He's not somebody that's going to always, you know, just bombard your senses. You have to make time to listen to him. That's why he keeps saying, don't forget me, because it's easy to forget him. That's why he says, remember me, because we have to determine to remember him. And so here, you get a moment here to stand still. Just sort of let everything fall away. I've sat in this room many times over the years, from childhood, and then recently again over these years. And right now, I mean, I've heard this many times. I know you can hear it too. It just, I hear that that air conditioning going. I don't know if it's supposed to be like that or not. I'm not really sure. But but I have heard it many times. All right, and it just kind of gives me a breath. It almost sounds like breathing, you know, going on or something. It just kind of lets me catch my breath for a moment. Lets me almost stop everything else that's going on and stand still. And that's what they had to do. They had to stand still. And God said, when you stand still, you'll see the salvation of the Lord. So they had to stop. They couldn't try to fix it. They couldn't run away because they were afraid. They just stood still. And so they stood still, and then the next thing, uh, verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you. You shall hold your peace. We saw that. And then the next thing, verse 15, it says, and then, now I want you, Moses, to tell the children of Israel to go forward. So take a moment and stand still. Take a moment and think about God and remember Him just for a second. But then, I want you to make a decision. I want you to go forward. You you know, you can't just stand there. Yes, stand for a moment. Think for a moment. Remember for a moment. Think about everything that's gone on in your life and how God's brought it all to you, good and bad, for his purpose. And and, and I don't know the purpose, but, but God has a purpose for every one of you. And so for some reason, he's allowed everything that you've gone through in your life. Some of you maybe were born in, you know, other countries and ended up here. Others of you have been born in Difficult homes or great homes. I don't know where it's all been, but it's all been leading to a purpose for God. And so here you are now. Stand still. Think about that. Remember him. Think about why, why, why has God put me everywhere that he's put me and then he's allowed me to be here. In kind of the last place I ever would have expected to be, sitting in a church. But, but I'm here. Why did God do that? Stand still for a minute. And then now as you're doing that and God's able to speak into your heart a little bit, God is saying to you the same as what he's saying here, go forward. You know, now that you've stood still, before God was going to do anything, and some of you know the story, know that God eventually parted the Red Sea. 
I mean, he, he made water go to this side and to this side, and the Israelites were able to walk across that sea on the dry ground. But you know what? Before he did that, they had to be able to take a step forward. He said, I want you to have some faith in me. I said, stand still. You're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Now I'm saying, take a step. Go forward. And when they did, God was able to part that Red Sea, and they were able to walk across on dry ground. We'll continue reading here, as you'll see in verse 16. The Bible says, and it shall be for a token upon thine hand. Sorry, verse, chapter 14, verse 16. But lift thou up thy rod. He's talking to Moses. And stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry, dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I, God said, will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. And they will follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts and upon his chariots and his horsemen. He said, when you guys will go across, Israelites, on dry ground. And I'm going to make them harden their heart. They're going to chase right after you. Not even, you know, paying attention that, hey, this is weird that uh, the sea is divided or any of that. They're just going to chase right after you. And he said, and I'm going to get honor. They're going to know who I am. Look what he says in verse 18. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I've gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. You see, God, this is an interesting thing in verse 18. I said it before, and we looked at a couple of verses. God wants everybody to know him. He wants the people of Israel, who at least in their history, knew him in the past, but had forgotten about him. He wanted them to remember him also. But he also wanted the Egyptians, it says, that they may know who I am also. And so, now it wouldn't work for these soldiers here, because as you're going to see as we read through uh, the rest of the passage, these soldiers... They were going to die that day, okay? God was going to destroy them and wipe them off the face of the earth when he made the Red Sea to come back uh, once the people of Israel got through. But there were people back in Egypt who knew about their soldiers and, and, and their army going after to chase the, uh, the Israelites, and so they were going to hear that as well. And they were going to put together that idea that somehow a sea had swallowed up all of their soldiers and also put that together with the ten plagues that they just watched in their nation, and I believe that there were going to be Egyptians who were going to know who God was through all of that. And so God wants you, no matter which group you're in, as we mentioned before, if you're the group that doesn't know God and that's why you easily forget him, he wants you to know him tonight. If you're the group that knows God but forgets him often when hard times come or when you get too busy, God wants you to remember him as well tonight. And so we see that God said, I want Egypt to know. Verse 30, kind of wrap it all up right here in conclusion. It says, thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Notice the last point I talked to you about standing still. We mentioned about that idea of going forward. And then in verse 31, it says, they believed the Lord. That's what it all leads up to. Look, God is calling out for you and me to do those same things. He wants you to stand still. He wants you to just sit, think, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Then he wants you to trust him enough to go forward. In just a moment, and again, I understand that this may be a little bit, you know, unusual for you, but please just Overlook that here for a moment, because this is important. God it wants you to go forward. I believe that many of us, at least for a few moments here, we've been able to stand still and say, 
what is my relationship really with God? How much do I remember him? How much has he done for me? And, and do, I, you know, do I honor him in any way in my life? Do I remember him or, or do I forget him all the time? Is he, where is he on that list of priorities in my life? Is he anywhere near the top or is he you know, far down even to the point of being forgotten? I, I, I believe that many of us have thought about that tonight. But now I'm going to ask you as the Lord asked these Israelites, I'm going to ask you to go forward in just a moment. And by that, I just mean that if in a moment when I ask you if you are ready to, to, to remember the Lord, to know the Lord, you want to know him. And again, I know we're going to play basketball. We're going to have fun. It's going to go as long as you, as long as you want it to go. All right? it's, we're going to be here, and you're going to enjoy all of that. But for a moment, let's stand still. And I'm going to ask you, you know, if, you've, if you would like to trust Christ as your Savior, if you would like to have that relationship with God, and you're willing to try to put him, you know, not forget him, but remember him every day in your life, I'm going to ask you to basically go forward by, by raising your hand. And just kind of taking that step in faith of saying, okay, I'm going to indicate, I'm going to show, yes, God, I understand, I need you. I'm going to take that little step. It's not a big thing. I'm not asking you to run up here and say anything. I'm not asking you to do any of that. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And when you do, I just want somebody to be able to show you how you can Put God in the rightful place in your life. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to, you to, to allow him in. The Bible says this in the book of Revelation, that behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man opens the door, I'll come in with him and be with him. And we often use that as a picture to say, that's Jesus knocking at my heart and saying, hey, I want to come in. I'm willing to come in. And all you got to do is open the door. And if you'll open that door, he says, I'll come in. I'll guide you, I'll help you, I'll lead you the way that you should go. And, and, and look at how awesome God has been in your life when you didn't even know him. Just imagine how much greater it would be to actually know that one who's doing all those, all those amazing things for you in your life. And you can walk with him uh, starting today. And so I'm going to ask you in just a moment uh, if you'll do that. As everybody will bow their heads, close their eyes, nobody's going to look. It's going to be between you and the Lord. And then the last thing, obviously, is that idea of believing the Lord. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to choose to put your faith in him because that's where salvation was for Israel, in him, and salvation is there for you as well. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.